Wow. Before we do anything else, can we pray? Jesus. Truth is, we only know a glimpse of how much you truly love us. We only know a glimpse of the power that you've placed in us. We only know a glimpse of what you have prepared for us. We only know a glimpse of how close you are right now. And yet that glimpse is glorious. That glimpse is awesome. That glimpse is something that can carry us through, Lord Jesus, the roughest times of our lives. And Jesus, we thank you for being here right now. And what I ask, Jesus, that this would be just a few sacred moments and that you would place something in our hearts that could change our futures forever and the futures of generations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, my name's Ryan. I went to school here like 100 years ago. Um, it was awesome. And uh, I had a buddy. He said, hey, dude. We said dude back then, not bruh. We said dude, okay? So that's like a delineation of how old I am. But the idea was he goes, says, dude, let's bike across the country and raise money for hurting kids. And I was like, I didn't know you are a cyclist, dude. And he said, oh, I'm not. I was like, well, do you have a bike? He's like, no. Do you have any money? No. Do you know how to raise money? No. When do you want to go? He's like, two months. And somehow this thing came together and it raised about $16,000, which again, that was like a million dollars to us. We were so stoked. And it kept rolling in this beautiful idea of doing something really physically sacrificing for people who are physically in pain. And that's what Jesus did for us right? It's a cross. That's the center. It's the physical sacrifice of Christ. And so that rolled into this whole idea, and it's grown and grown and grown by the, by the grace of God in a beautiful, beautiful way. But what we've been able to do, one of the greatest things we've been able to do is to witness firsthand what God is doing all over the world in the, in the tough places of the world. We call them the uns. So unreached, they've never heard the gospel. They've never heard God loves them. In fact, they think God hates them, or that there's many gods, and the gods all hate them. They have no idea God's love. Un, unsafe. We go to war zones and we're, you know, the, the most trafficked people groups per capita on the, on the planet. And then we also go to the unresourced, places where less than 1% of Christian giving is going. So it's like the worst, no one's heard Jesus, and we're doing the least about it. And that's where we want to go. And God, what happens is we've discovered heroes, incredible heroes. And these heroes... I, I, gotta, I mean, I, I could tell you stories all day long about how God is moving in such a powerful way. In fact, the missiologists have done some studies on this stuff. Right now, us here, right now, this planet, where we are now in this time in history, God is moving in a greater way than any other time in the history of the church all around the world. More people are coming to Christ. More miracles are happening. More expansion. More transformation of communities. Nothing is happening, has ever happened like the, at the numbers and the scale of what God is doing right now. And you can get excited about that. We get to live in that time period. It's pretty incredible. I've always thought, like in the back of my mind, I've always thought you go to heaven and you run into like Moses or David and they're going to go to us saying, you know, like we were like, oh man, what would it been like to be during the time of David or the time of Moses? And they're going to go to us and say, what was it like to be a part of the greatest revival that God had ever seen? And I don't want to be silent in heaven. I don't want to be like, I, I don't know. I got to level 70 on a video game. You know, like, I don't want to be that person. I want to be someone who is a part of it. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing of the opportunity we have right now. Well, so we, we started sitting down with the global church and, and asking, what is the secret of this explosion? And here's the question. If you can just 
you know, humor me for a sec. What if the church that's having some struggles in America would sit down at the feet of the exploding church and say, could you teach us how to follow Jesus? Could you teach us how to be disciples? Could you mentor us? And as we started asking that question, instead of finding a leadership principle, at the very core of all this exploding church was a prayer life. It wasn't a leadership principle. It was a prayer life. And when the global church says the word prayer and we say the word prayer, we're talking about different things. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, it's a different thing. And so what we did is it started going, wait, what if we sat at the feet and learned from these global leaders how to pray? And the challenge is this. In America, um, there's a study that came out. And it was a six-figure study by one of the largest foundations in America looking into the prayer lives of the leaders in America. And the results were so bad, they never published the study. That's where it is right now. It's crisis level. Leaders have a prayer problem. And, and the scripture actually says that this is a difficult thing. So if you go to the next uh, the scripture in Jeremiah, this is, this is uh, from the ESV, okay? So when it says the shepherds are stupid, the Hebrew word there means stupid, okay? And, and it said the shepherd, this is the only, actually the only time this word appears in the entire Old Testament. So it's, a, it's, a, it's crazy. But it says the shepherds are stupid. The King James says the brutish. I'm like, yes, I love King James. But the shepherds are stupid. They don't inquire the Lord. And this is God's heart. And that's, the, that's what we're living in right now is that challenge. And so what we did is we started on a search looking for global leaders and leaders around the world who are truly praying leaders. And some friends of mine and I got together and we started this project and did over 100 hours of research in six different continents, leaders whose ministry covered over 100 countries around the world. And what we discovered was absolutely groundbreaking. And that's that, and here's, here's the big eureka of the whole thing, uh, the whole project, was that the, a, a woman who is praying in a refugee camp surrounded by landmines and mortars and a New York financier who's managing billions of dollars, if a leader is intentional about their prayer life, it looks similar around the world. And then we started talking to people like Tim Mackey and John Mark Comer and uh, Francis Chan and John Ortberg and Johnny Erickson Tata, Mark Batterson. We got to meet with all these incredible intentional leaders on prayer. And their prayer life looked just like the lady serving in the refugee camp. It looks just like the financier in New York. It was this pattern started emerging. And so we put together a book called Lead with Prayer. And, and what it is is the prayer habits and spiritual habits of leaders around the world that we learned that were these patterns. And it was just phenomenal. And I'm going to tell you just the first interview and the first habit that we learned. And I can't tell you all of them, but I'm just going to tell you a few of these. And the first one, we, we, I had a, an interview with Rosabel, And some of you actually might know who Rosabel is. She's a, an incredible hero in venture. She literally takes care of 5,000 orphans in a war zone and has done that for decades. And she literally, landmines going off, mortars, all these things. And she... She just glows. She just glows with Jesus. And I, I sat and, and asked her, I said, Mama Rosabel, tell me about your prayer life. And she goes, oh, I just love Jesus. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And she said, I just love Jesus. And she said, so when I was 18, I had no money, but I wanted to tithe. So I decided the only currency I had was my time. So I started praying two and a half hours a day, and I've been doing that the past two, 30 plus years. And I thought, Oh, when the global church says prayer, and I say prayer, we're talking about different things. <laughs> like, oh, wow, do we have a lot to learn. And, and the, one of the keys 
Then I learned from Roosevelt, and then we sat down with Francis Chan, and this habit started emerging with all the leaders, from Mother Teresa to Francis Chan to a New York financier to Roosevelt, and that was this, that all leaders who had a really powerful, dynamic prayer life, it was not a list. It was friendship first. It started with friendship. They truly just spending time loving Jesus. Roosevelt said, I just, I would just walk every morning, I walk every morning, and I walk by a spider web, and I look at the intricacy of the spider web, and I say, God, just weave my heart like that, and just being friends with Jesus. And Francis Chan said, I'm so busy, all these demands on my life. He said, but I stop, put the phone away, I walk, and I just be with my friend Jesus. And Jesus actually told us that's where the power is. He said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. He said that, he said that um, if you abide in me, that's where the fruit of your life, the eternal real fruit of your life will come. Other things can come, money, fame, uh, you know, responsibilities, authority, that can all come. But eternal fruit, that only comes out of one place, and that's our friendship with Jesus. And so it's just beautiful to see these really incredible leaders. One guy, the New York financier, this guy's like in Manhattan managing billions of dollars. And he says, you know what I do? I schedule time so I can waste time with Jesus. And I was like, what? Waste time? And he says, yeah, it looks like a waste. With all that's on my calendar, it looks like a waste. He said, but you know who wastes time together? Friends. That's what friends do. They waste time together. And so they schedule time just to be. In fact, Mother Teresa was interviewed about this. And they they said, Mother Teresa, you, you literally stop serving people who are dying to go spend time with Jesus. And, and they said, what, what do you, why it's so important? What do you talk to God about? And she said, oh, not much. Most of the time I just sit and listen. And he says, oh, yeah, well, what does Jesus say? And she said, hmm, not much. Most of the time he just sits and listens too. And if, I, if you can't understand it, then I can't explain it any other way. Just being, abiding, being with Jesus. He likes you, by the way. He likes you. And so, so, much of us, so many of us, you know, we think, oh, we come to God and it's like first this, oh, woe is me kind of a moment. No, Jesus died so we don't have to say that. He died so we could, he could just, hey, I call you friends now. Yes. And out of that friendship, beautiful things happen. So that was one of the first things we learned. It was so powerful. And, uh, and then, uh, then it came to seeing these really, really busy leaders. We actually talked to two uh, Christian billionaires. So one of them, his company was the GDP of Belize, the country, Okay. So you think, busy guy, right? And he says, no, no, no. I set my prayer life, and then I set everything else around it. And, and when I, I had this revelation of like, okay, this guy's running. He's not, I can't say I'm as busy as this guy. I can't be too busy. And then my friend Peter Greer, our co-author, said, yeah, am I busier than Jesus? And that's the thing. When, when Jesus, in Jesus' life, if you look at it, it mentions more often that he withdrew away and prayed when his ministry grew, not less. And we have the opposite. In fact, the data shows that the longer someone's in ministry, the less they pray, not the more. And so Jesus was the opposite of what happens. And Jesus is modeling, spending, and it's just beautiful to see. And in fact, it says that he, was, he withdrew away and prayed all the time. But in fact, the, the, the Greek in that is really interesting. It says he was a withdrawal away and prayer. Like he was this. And it's one of those things like, you know, someone who complains every now and again, but if they complain a lot, they become a complainer, right? Or if you, some people, they golf and then they golf a lot and they become a golfer. Well, Jesus prayed so much. He was so much a part of his leadership. He was a withdrawal away in prayer. 
That's what a praying leader is. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And, and that matters. We, we learn all kinds of things from posture. We learn things about um, the idea of the intentionality of crafting a day with God. And most, most of us, when it comes to prayer by ourselves, we, it, it's like walking into a gym for the first time, and there's like all these weights everywhere, and you're like, what am I going to do? Right? And then you like pray one or two things and walk away. But instead, these leaders were intentional, mapping out a prayer life, crafting a day with God. In the morning, I'm going to read these psalms. In the afternoon, I'm going to stop and pray these prayers. I'm going to do some posture in the evening and an examine and examine my life and see what, what God is pleased and what God is not pleased with and walk through all of these things. What does it look like to craft a day with Jesus? And to spend that time with Jesus. It's beautiful when you start doing this. It's, and it's hard at first. It is. It's like walking into a, a gym going, I don't even know what to lift. And, but once you start with a plan and you start putting it together and you get intentional, and you, there's all kinds of resources. In fact, our uh, leadwithprayer.com, we have all these tools for you to help from prayer cards to prayer ma- like a prayer uh, liturgy, personal liturgy developer, rules of life, all these things. And it's getting these tools and being intentional about your prayer life, not just about your leadership. It's so powerful. That's, that's the thing we saw in all these different leaders around the world. And um, I, I just wanted to uh, throw one other thing. Oh, I guess, oh, I didn't, we didn't do this. The next slide is Rosabelle. I wanted you to see her. Because she just, that's somebody who just glows with Jesus in the middle of a minefield. Like, you think your day's tough, like <laughs> in the middle of a mind-infested jungle. It's just incredible. So we can, uh, we can pop two more slides down. Forgive me. I, I walked through these scriptures, but they're, they're super good. Those who abide in me bear fruit. And then the next one, it says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And we can keep on that slide for a second here. And, uh, okay, do you guys want one more? That was just the first one we discovered, okay? You guys with me? Anybody with me? Okay. All the, all the ADD kids, come back. I feel your pain, okay? Come on back, okay? Some of you zoned out a little bit, but I'm like the hyperactive redhead kid. I'll try to keep, it, keep you engaged, okay? Um, so th- this wasting time with God has absolutely changed my life. One, one time I sat, I sat down to pray, and I was like, okay, God, I'm here, and uh, whatever you want. And the Lord spoke in my heart, pray for China. So I started praying for China. And all of a sudden, something came into my heart, and I started crying and praying for China. And it was actually when I was here at North Central and thought, and talked to some folks, and they said, we need you to help get us some Bibles. This is back before the cell, you know, smartphones. So I just put up a sign, hey, you want to smuggle Bibles to China um, in, in the elevator and in student, like the student life areas? And student life ripped down on the signs. And then, uh, and then they let me know you had to actually stamp the signs. And then they put them back up. And then we started going, leading trips to China, and we smuggled tens of thousands of Bibles. We got arrested by all kinds of people. It was just craziness that came out of one little time of saying, God, what's on your prayer list? What's on your heart? And your prayers, the more do you spend time in prayer, the less and less it becomes about what you want, and the more and more it becomes on what, God, what is God's prayer list? It's just this beautiful thing. I got to clap. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and then, then well, there's all kinds of other things. We have stories about how a prayer life stopped someone from actually doing a denominational split, and he just got on his knees, and he was at a rhythm of saying, God, what pleased you, what displeased you? And God's like, actually, the denominational split thing displeased me. And he's like, oh, okay. And he stopped doing that. I'm, I'm not lying. This is real stuff. Another one, he was about to have a moral failure, a megachurch pastor, and he started really getting intentional about his prayer life, and the Lord gave him the strength to overcome. It's just beautiful. This, this is, Tim Keller said this 
uh, before he passed away. He said, for a Christian, prayerlessness is detrimental. But for a leader, it's death. It is death. And so this is vital. We have to get this. Like, we have to get this. Um, and then one of the other things was uh, prayer. This is one of the fun ones for all the scientists in the room. Prayer actually physiologically changes your neurons in your brain. Eight weeks, at least 20 minutes at a time a day, over eight weeks, will change your brain so much it shows up on a brain scanner. That's the power of prayer. This is not like some woo-woo thing. This is scientifically proven, and it's actually the parts that open up to compassion and the parts that are more healthy in your brain will start getting stronger, and the parts that are like fearful and anxious and those things actually get smaller. Like It's literally the fruit of the Spirit happening in the synapses of your brain. You can check it on a brain scan when you spend time with Jesus. This is real stuff. This is what God is calling us to every single time we get on our knees to pray. We studied about how posture actually really matters and started a habit of just rolling out of my bed onto my knees every morning, whether I feel like it or not. And there's something about the, the humble posture of saying, okay, you're king, you're Lord, you're in charge. And that starts changing already your thought and your whole thought life, everything. So I, I, I have all kinds of stories about how this happens, but what I wanted to do was just kind of end with a couple of stories and then have a little bit of challenge for you guys. Um, the, last, the, the first interview and the last interview impacted me the most. And the last interview um, I had with Mark Batterson, and uh, he talked about how he opened up his grandfather's journals. And in there he started reading prayers that God was actually answering in his life two generations later. And he said, I never realized it. I never thought about it. But every time I go to pray, it's generational. It's generational. And that's an incredible, incredible thing. And so what, what, what then happened was he said, I, I got to hear another story about this generational prayer. It was a friend that went to, a, actually, about like 100 years ago, back when I went to school here, um, he, he said that he was, went on a mission trip to Russia. And it was this beautifully redemptive mission trip where they were going to take stones from a Russian gulag and turn them into the foundation of a church. Just this beautiful story. So they're, they're digging away, and all of a sudden, they find a canister in the rubble. And they, open, they take the canister, and they open up the canister, and inside the canister is a note. And they brought it to the, the, their Russian pastor, and he read it and just started bawling. He said, here's the note. It says, we are a community of Christians being forced against our will to take the stones of our church and turn them into our own prison where we will die. But we have prayed that one day, one day, that God would take the stones of this church, this gulag, this prison, and turn them back into a church. And that is what we do when we pray, is we're sticking canisters into the future in the rubble of this world that a God in heaven promises to hear in our lifetime or some other lifetime. And I don't care if I see all the answers of the prayers that I pray. I know God's heard them, and it might be generations from now, but I've prayed prayers that are going to affect generations. And that's what happens every time we get on our knees to pray. It's so powerful to think about what happens. And so what I want to challenge you with this is invest in your prayer life. One of the guys we interviewed was an Australian. He's, he's, and he goes, mate, where's prayer line item in your budget? I said, what? 
He says, if you say you value it, it hits to your budget. It hits to your calendar. It hits to your lifestyle. You have to invest in prayer. And I was so convicted. So Adventure, we actually started 24-7 prayer rooms in different countries. And that was a huge catalyst for seeing God move in ways we had never seen before. A few examples, like this picture here. This is a brothel in a city that shut down because so many people became Christians. They didn't have demand in the brothel anymore because the transformation of the gospel happened in one of those cities. If you go to the next slide, this is from a couple months ago, a thousand people from 26 unreached people groups all getting baptized all at once after this incredible movement of prayer led to this. And they got so excited about prayer. This is the next slide. This is a prayer meeting where representatives from 36 different unreached people groups all over Nepal joining together thousands of people to pray. The, the government came to shut it down and they said, if you shut this down, we're all going to vote against you. And they said, you can have your prayer meeting. And then then that is just the most, one of the most beautiful moments in my entire life was being there as they all lifted up praying for their nation. And that is what God is calling you to. So would you guys stand with me? Would you stand with me? Okay, before we go into a time of prayer, I want to ask you guys, all of you, if you could do a huge favor. And I, I want you to know I've been praying for you. I've actually been fasting and praying for you because I care about you and I love you and I want to see you live the life that God has called you to live. And it will, not be ha- it will not happen if you don't learn to be a person of prayer. So I want to ask if you would close your eyes for a second with me. And I want you to imagine yourself 20 or 25 years from now and you're not a person of prayer. You're burnt out. You're struggling and striving on your own. Everything is in your own strength. All the things you're trying to hold together, you're trying to do it on your own. And now I want you to imagine, real quick, 20 years from now, if you truly have a prayer life that's been developed here, where the power and the grace of God is with you every single day to meet everything you face. And the, and the generational prayers are being prayed through you to transform communities and transform nations. And, in, and we're going to have a time of altar call and prayer. But my challenge to you is you get to make the decision right now which of those two scenarios is going to be 20 years from now. Start prayer habits. Start a life of prayer here in North Central. It doesn't get easier. It gets tougher. So learn now, not later. And make a commitment to Jesus that you are going to be a person of prayer wherever you lead. So Jesus, I pray for everyone here that you would draw us to our knees, that you would draw us to your presence, you would draw us to depending on you, you would help us to develop the habits of a praying leader, of a praying woman, of a praying man, that you would, and right now, Jesus, save us from a life of striving on our own and help us, Lord Jesus, to develop the most important habit there ever could be, abiding in Christ, being with Christ, surrendering to Christ, and having a lifestyle of spending our days with Christ. And so I pray for every student here, Jesus, that you would give them the grace 
grace and the strength that they need to start developing the habits of a life of prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, God, that this would literally be a transformational moment in their lives or they put down a stake and they say, I'm going to be a leader of prayer. I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to develop the habits of prayer and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against the prayers of the saints in the name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And so I invite you, everything you saw of all of that venture stuff, it actually started right in my heart. It started right here in this, right here, in this little strip of carpet. And so I invite you, you have no idea what you're doing when you come up and you pray and you take a little time on Friday and pray. You have no idea what seed God is going to drop in your heart and what idea and what's going to go on in your heart. So I invite you to just practice this. Take some time and get on your knees where you're at or get on your knees up here or come on up and we're just going to take this and turn it into a prayer meeting right now and let the Holy Spirit of God start dropping and depositing dreams in your heart. So you can get out of your chair right now and come down to the altar. You can get in your seats wherever you you need to go. This is just going to transition right into a prayer meeting where we seek the Lord and we let the Lord Jesus start dropping inside of us the power of his spirit, the grace we need, the ha- just learning the habits of getting on our knees and receiving dreams from God, getting on our knees and receiving the grace from God. This is what he's called us to. This is where the power is. This is where his grace is. This is what changes it all is when we get on our knees. All of heaven is waiting for God's people to get on their knees and call out and cry out for the power of God to come to us in our day, in our time. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We look to you, God. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah.